Anyone? What is it? Mighty Souls of Mischief. Oh, okay. Who are they? Where are they from? Oakland, man. Oak Town? Uh, the only Souls of Mischief song I know is 93. Yeah, Total Infinity, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. For later. Big fan of those when your your dad was working at the uh, Swap Meet? Still working, yeah. Still at the Swap Meet? Still solving, still solving murders. Show. <laughs> still solving murders. How many times has your old man been stabbed? He's been pepper sprayed three times. He's been pepper sprayed three times. <laughs> he's been threatened to be stabbed like ten times. That's insane. And everyone says he's racist, but he's from Iran, so. Uh, I don't know. If so you can't be racist if you don't? No, like Persian people claim he's racist against them. Oh. <laughs> Assault-hating uh, yeah. Iranian? Yeah. All right, well, for the uh, week of October the 7th, 2014, welcome to Tribune Sports Radio. I'm your host, Ben Raskin, and uh, today we've got Kevin Winter-Morris. Benny. Kyle Goon. Hello. Uh, Aaron Falk. How many times has your mom been pepper sprayed, Benny? Twice. <laughs> she uh, had a bad She run. only deserved it once. Bad run at Arizona Charlie's in 91. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, she got caught counting bingo cards or whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Camarani, how you doing, bud? Good, man. This podcast should be all about how our parents did weird stuff back in the day. Yeah, I think the only thing my parents really do is weird is they're addicted to Miller Lite and uh, Dewar's White Label. Man. That was my only complaint about my folks. Aaron Falk had an amazing parent story he told me yesterday, but it's not fit for the podcast. Uh, so so uh, we need to go to sltrib.com. Blogs. Look at Falk, Trip Jazz. You'll get y'all caught up with that. Speaking of getting caught up, UCLA. What happened to them? And Utah Utes had a big game. Chris Camarani, you were there. Walk us through uh, some of the highlights of that. You know, I was sitting next to Matt Piper, and he was, you know, taking notes, and I was just sitting there being pretty much useless, just enjoying myself, just not really. Because when you're when you don't have to write the main bar on deadline, it's almost like you're just there for fun. Because all the work comes after the game. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm watching this, and I'm telling Piper the whole time. Like, wow, they're, they're playing well, but, you know, knowing Utah, something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. Like and roughing the kicker call. Just, and I was, I, was down, I was down on the field, and I, you couldn't tell because I was on the Utah sideline, but there were so many people crowding the sidelines that I couldn't tell what the flag was for. I didn't even see the kicker go down. Uh-huh. So everyone was confused why, why, the, why it was called. And I don't know, was it tipped, Kyle? Did the replay show um, it was tipped? You know, well, it, it just flew off in a really weird direction. Okay. I, think, I think it was a little bit tipped, and that's kind of – the biggest reason Whittingham has people right. to call, but go, go on. No, well, and, then, and that and the kicker jumped, kind of hopped into the. Well, the kicker player. pulled a straight up like World Cup, like waving his <laughs> finger, <laughs> like <laughs> oh, like like he it just was as much Natalie Portman and Black like Swan got, than anything I've seen on a football like field. He got two cleats right to the shin. You know, his his shin guards straight were red. not protecting. I mean, yeah, the ref went to the back pocket, but um. And then, then I'm down there, and of course the whole Utah sideline is like insane. They're incensed of, on what's going on, and still I have no idea what's going on. But I, but I know they're lining up for another kick. And when this is going on, anyone who knows, you know, the the bad breaks Utah's had in the Pac-12, you were like, that this is so Utah to take a top ten team, outplay them, take have ten sacks in a game, outplay them on the road, take them to the very end, and then to lose on a on a question, bad, yeah, yeah on, a, on a bad, you know, rough, running into the kicker, right? Not roughing the it kicker. Was so, yeah, so it was only the, it was luckily for them, it was only the five yard mm-hmm. um, penalty. So you're, we're just waiting there. And when he kicked it, 
it looked like it was going in from where I was. Because when you're down on the field, I have you have no depth perception when it comes to field goals. Uh, okay, can I just say one thing? I, I'm not even sure why we go down on the field at the end of games. Oh, like, that's that's true. It's not. I mean, well, I mean, I'm it's fun. Sure it's, it it's is cool. kind of fun. Like it's I, totally I fun. love, I love being kind of in that moment. Right. But it does not help you. No, it does no. Oh no, absolutely yeah. not. But in this case, when someone else is up there, and you're down there, right? Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if, you, if if you're the only one down there that you're covering that game, crazy. it's like. Do you guys do you get guys right on the field? I mean, I've never I've never covered. Them. You, I think you can. The TV guys do. Okay. Yeah. That's what the TV guys and do, you, and if you're aggressive enough, you can. I, yeah. I mean, after that, I I just talked to as many people as I could. I talked to Kendall Thompson before ESPN got him. I talked to Gianni Paul before anyone else got it. I mean, it was crazy. Just everyone was freaking out. The uh, Jim Harding, the offensive line coach, was like bawling. Like it was, it was a pretty like like emotional victory for those guys. And you know, Kyle, I don't know if this is a thing, but Whittingham was saying, you know, let's go slay us another giant. I don't know if that's a theme. You know, going back to the Stanford game, but I, that's what he said post game is, you know, the goal is to slay another giant. And I mean, for Utah to win that game the way they did, it was pretty impressive defensively luckily i drew the defense the defensive sidebar and it was like wrote itself 10 sacks i think was it was the most in a game since 1983 it was unbelievable kyle and i weren't even born so i mean aaron was probably like six months old aaron was was like was 17 at that time (laughs) i can't read you at all kevin kevin was pissed at the cubs for screwing something up not yet not yet not 83 84 um but I think, you know, you bring up the, the defensive line. Holy cow. Like, that one possession where Hunley Three was backed up against the line and it, that last sack almost looked like a safety. Like, yeah. that was crazy. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I've never seen I, – I, I, well, I've never seen a team that was ranked get dominated that much in one phase of the game. I, I, but, but watching the game on home, at home, Chris, I had the exact motions that you were explaining. They missed the field goal, and it's like, oh, wait, man, they just – no, yeah. there's a flag. Yeah. I didn't think that was really going to happen. Like, hold, there's no hold way. Hold on, man. Like, hold okay, on. now they're going to win it, and Utah fans are going to have every right to be incensed. There was a horrible oh call. Oh, my gosh. And then he misses again, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I guess the one thing about Utah and anyone in the state who's followed Utah knows that they're pretty good at field goal blocking or, like, I don't know. I feel like twice against BYU in, like, the last five years they've blocked a big field goal. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. So, I mean, if there's one thing you want the special teams to be doing, I guess, if the game is on the line, maybe it's a different story with Kalen Clay or Tom Hackett. But, it, I mean, maybe Utah has this thing about blocking field goals or getting a good rush or whatever it was. But, no, it was cool. I'd never been to the Rose Bowl. Um, uh, turkey uh, on French roll um, for, for snacks. Um, <laughs> pasta salad. Um, Quality pasta salad or no. a bunch of mayo? No. With, yeah. yeah. Um, great cookie, though. Big chocolate chip cookie. Really well, stoked on that. I don't know. It was just um, whatever. What, so. what kind of drinks do they have? Coke? Pepsi? Coke, uh, Diet Coke, Sprite, and water. But a whole row. I mean, like stacked. Like, so and they were and they were not fountain, huh? yeah cans wow. and bottles that's, so not exactly in my environment friendly speaking friend. of things with a good chick uh, Kyle talk to me about Andy Phillips you didn't <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Tom Hackett and then Andy Phillips holy Tom Hackett okay. so you know I was I was doing a preview thing Jack Wang and I former Tribune intern Jack, Jack Wang, Wang. Not Jack Wang the Jack um, Wang we were doing an exchange of 
questions to ask each other for our respective blogs for a feature. And, you know, Jack asked me about the specialists, the special teams. And, you know, one thing I said was it feels like Tom Hackett needs to be seen to be appreciated because all of us sort of naturally are like, well, how special can a punter be? But Tom Hackett was averaging, what, 48, 49 yards 49, per kick? Yeah. And, and he just always seems to get the bounce that he needs to, for it to either, if it's close to the 10, it just stays right there, or if it's still far away, it just rolls forward. I don't know how he does that. And he's only had 10 touchbacks his entire career in, like, what, like 130, 140 punts. That's... And, and the only thing we heard more about in that broadcast than Brett Hundley's Heisman moments with how dangerous Ish Adams was, and he did was nothing. Was it bad? So. I mean, oh, yeah. Was, was, is this oh, a Heisman yes. moment? Is it a Heisman moment? Like, there were serious, he got so sacked 10 Hunley, <laughs> Brett Hundley had zero touchdown passes in the third in the third quarter, like into the third quarter. Yeah. And and he did throw two that were, that were good. But up to that point, the announcers were still talking about seriously, like Heisman candidate Brett Hundley. And it's like, in what point in this game has he looked like a Heisman candidate? I think Utah was up two scores, and, and it was just 14. like... Well, the crazy thing is is Whittingham was alluding to after is, you know, they could have gotten like 13 or 14 sacks. There were a couple times when Hundley got away from Orchard and some of the linebackers. Yeah. I mean, to, to his credit, he was pretty much alone. Oh yeah, I, I still think Brett Hundley is no, no, is no, no, terrific no, quarterback. No, 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 I'm, I'm totally good. with you. I'm just, like just going back like to what Kyle said. It was insane to see an offensive line play that bad at home. I mean, I, I don't know what they're what how many sacks they were giving up through the first three games because obviously I don't. Pay uh, well, they to they stuff. have in their big thing is they have injuries and they've had to go without another one of their guards this week. Um, but you know, still, it's UCLA. They 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 annually rank in the top 10, top 15 recruiting classes every year yeah. un- under Mora and I think even under Neuheisel. Yeah. I mean, they were recruiting really well. Didn't, so it's like, how Neuheisel, do you get dominated Didn't like Neuheisel recruit Xavier too? I mean, wasn't he part yeah, of that? Yeah, Xavier, but he he's in the NFL now. No, I know, but I'm just saying that that just goes to yeah. show yeah. because Xavier, I mean, he's graduated and moved on to the NFL and that right. was a while ago. Exactly. So. And it's like, how does that happen? And, and you look at Utah's line – and it's made up completely of Utah guys, by the way, except oh, yeah. except Ianu, yeah. um, but Lolo Tulele from Bingham, yeah. Nate Orchard from Highland, Hunter, Hunter Dimmick, it's yeah. from Syracuse. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy how Utah every year just finds a way to sculpt that that defensive line that they want. Well, I just I I'm dumb and I don't know how to like analyze football, but I later realized like a day later. That, you know, the sacks were great, but that means that the secondary that was, you know, not supposed to be very good played pretty well long enough to give the line time to get to Hunley. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. It, which is impressive. I mean, they gave up those two big plays, and, you know, you're going to do that on the road against a great team. But for the secondary to play well against UCLA and against all those weapons, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think I think what you look at with Utah's corners is that they, they play really physical, and I think what they did – is just kind of play physical, push off the line at the snap, get those receivers up their routes. So if you have that extra second or two, yeah. once those routes are disrupted right. and Hunley gets, I mean, and your defensive lineman can get to Hunley, yeah. it's just going to be layup time. But what about what about Kendall Thompson? I mean, that's, that's well, right, looking the, forward. I mean, looking forward to Oregon State. I mean, who's going to get? Who's going to be under center uh, next Saturday? Aaron Falk. Well. 
Utah is not going to announce it. Um, and they originally kind of suggested that there would be a depth chart of Wednesday clearing up. And, and we kind of knew then that that was probably not going to happen. So Kyle Whittingham said today, okay, we're not publicly announcing it uh, before the game. But I, th- I would have to guess it would be Thompson. Well, he was at the Monday yeah. at, the, at the press conference, right? And he was at the Monday press conference. And, I mean, that's kind of an attaboy, like, sure, you, did, sure. you had a good game. But, I mean... I, the I, argument I, for Wilson to get the start. Well, I think the strongest argument for Wilson is that his, his struggles early in the UCLA game were not his fault. I mean, he had five pass attempts. He completed two of them, and two of them were dropped. So it would have been four for five. Yeah, first. I, that, that was, I was surprised. I mean, obviously it, it was a decision that worked out, and I don't watch this team as close as, as you guys do, but um, I was surprised. I was kind of surprised they yanked him as soon as he did. Yeah, after the third possession. And it's just such a confidence thing. I mean, it's like you, you kind of want the guy you're rolling with to feel confident, but I think that, that kind of plays into Kendall Thompson's hands. Like, he just won. He just beat a top-eight team for you. Yeah. Like, he's he's rolling, and he may not well, have the same the locker room after, I mean, going into this next week, you know, it's like maybe Thompson's the guy to take him to the promised land. You know, well, you were talking about this last week, that a UCLA win was almost paramount for them to see some bold activity. Yeah, I, I mean – well, here the locker room. Um, I guess I'm I'm trying to understand what what you're asking here. The esprit de corps of the University of Utah Utes. The the the, the how Just the guy what, how the, what guy, about the confidence them? level of the guys. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, they I have to be right high. Well, in a general way, you know, I'm just saying is that do they, are they looking at Wilson or are they looking at Thompson? You know, it's like uh, who um, would be the better selection for, from the locker room. Well, I think. Oh, jeez, you're muddling the question. I don't understand if there's a question there. Are you asking, so are you asking, does the locker room get behind Thompson or Wilson? Yes. Okay, so. You have both lost this locker room. <laughs> but I think, you know, Travis Wilson, as we talked about before in this podcast, is a respected guy. He's he's a vet. He you know takes takes shots and teammates do respect him a lot. But then again, I mean the bottom line is is what it's about. If a guy wins, I mean the locker room's going to get behind him eventually. You know what I mean? And and Kendall Thompson has the biggest win of the year. And and Whittingham said after the game that it wasn't just the UCLA game. They took into account how stagnant the offense was in the Washington State yeah, game was, too because it, it didn't do anything. I no. mean, so looking forward, Oregon State had a really quality win against Colorado, 36-31. Uh, how are they going to stand uh, facing the Beavers on the road? Um, you know, it's it's tricky. I'm not sure Oregon State is all that good. Um, they struggled to beat Colorado this week. They really got ripped by um, USC the week before. I don't think their offense is quite working the way they want it to. Um, Sean Mannion has thrown one touchdown pass in the last two games. And his receivers have been a little banged up. Um, they have a nice running game this year, which is a little different. They have a two-back system. Um, but, you know, I think I think we'll see probably Utah get more pressure on Mannion than they did last year um, in that shootout. I mean, the losing like, Brandon Cooks. That's Didn't he throw like six touchdown passes? Yeah, he, he – I mean, well, you can't do worse than you did last year, yeah, I guess. that's very true. Um, but – you know, I I think Mannion has kind of been proven human without Brandon Cooks and and kind of his main receiver this year, Victor Bolden, is kind of in and out of good health. So, yeah. 
We'll see. But it is a Thursday night game coming off of bye, and that's kind of not usual. You know, usually you have a Saturday game the week after bye, so, I mean, that's cool. Right? <laughs> and just, just to be clear, Mannion threw for five touchdowns last year in the 51-48 to 48 win over Utah, 443 yeah. yards. And completed one at the end to win it. Yep. I mean, Utah had – Utah should have won that game. Yep. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. When you're ranking uh, uh, your good friend Brandon Smith, Kyle, uh, he gave five um, uh, upsets to sort of rank him. Where do you see this UCLA one? Uh, it composed of the 2009 Sugar Bowl, uh, the victory against Stanford last year. I'm going to throw out the Liberty Bowl in 64 because even Kevin Where does that one rank for you, Kyle? Yeah, where's that one <laughs> rank for you? And the Fiesta Bowl in uh, 2005 when they beat the Pitt Panthers. Uh, Best um, regular season upset for the Utes? Regular season, sure. Why not? Good. I, I mean, well, I have no, I have no frame of reference on what what a nineteen sixty four. Well, so what we're talking about, I talking about BCS BCS bowls, and and I think back then the Liberty Bowl, well, not certainly not BCS, but a big deal. I mean, you know, the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, like. Yeah, but that's, those, that's those, kind of in its own stratosphere. Yeah, that's but. true. I mean, you you put Stan, the Stanford one in there, and I mean, you go back to the 2008 season. They beat a really good TCU team that right. had Andy Dalton, but you're in the same conference, and I think they were ranked like six or seven at the time. So it wasn't like Utah was this absurd under underdog, and it was at home. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think if you're talking about quality, biggest regular season win, it has to be UCLA probably versus Stanford last year. Yeah, and I th- but I think the difference is, um, you know, UCLA just th- this win may save Kyle Whittingham's job. I mean, from one perspective, I'm not saying that he's he's definitely he, he was definitely on the chopping block before the game. I think a lot of people kind of felt he was. And we kind of see with the contract situation that there's definitely some upheaval kind of overhead if they don't have a good season. But you know, they just need two more wins to go to a bowl. Yeah, and. I think for having watched Utah football for like the last six or seven years or whatever it has been, Kendall Thompson's a great story. The defense is a great story, but Devontae Booker is mm-hmm. is the is the difference maker for me on that team. Miles Jack said he's the best running back in the Pac-12. I think he said that today. The Jack Wing tweeted it. So I mean that that's that's a pretty impressive thing to hear. You know, one of the premier linebackers in the Pac-12 say that this guy is. And a running back in his own right. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so, and I mean, and that's going to be an interesting formula through the throughout the rest of the season. As is, is, if Thompson's the guy, then suddenly you go from having three or four really good wideouts, and a Travis, Travis Wilson, who's a you know a pass first quarterback, to Thompson, who will probably it'll probably be this pure read option, you know, rollout type stuff. I, I think you know Matt Piper and I were talking that. Thompson kind of reminds us a little bit of the Solomon kid at Arizona. Just, you know, simple read options and roll out and make simple simple pass plays. And I think you'll see if Kendall's the guy, Utah will, and Dave Christian, they'll try to tailor their offense to his strengths and hoping he doesn't do, you know, another, uh, you know, Madden spin move and have a linebacker waiting to knock his head off because he's got to be careful, man. As we've seen, running quarterbacks – as we saw with Taysom Hill, unfortunately, on Friday, it's moving forward. Well, yeah. A transition. Well, I will say one more thing, just relating to that. I mean, yesterday, Witt said, you know, he he's got to run to to be effective. I mean, he's got to yeah. he's got to take risks to be effective, because um, that that's what makes him good. That he can 
take the open field and, and take a few hits. Um, so I think they will do that. And the other thing is, you know, if, if for some reason he does go down, you know, God forbid, but if some reason he does go down, they have an experienced starter. So I, I think I, I think we will see Kendall Thompson on Thursday. I I don't I mean that's not a sourced educated guess, but uh an unsourced uneducated. It's an unsourced on un, yeah, totally uneducated. That's a good guess. I went to Maryland, so yeah. uh speaking of people who went to Utah State, Aaron Falk went to uh up there in Logan and Logan had a great game against the BYU Cougars, uh talking about Taysom Hill getting taken up. Did you guys watch you you guys watch the game? Yeah. yeah, we watched. Yeah, how bad? That was a pretty gnarly injury he took, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, looks, it, it, do, it looked it bad looked, on TV. It looked bad. It didn't look. But I mean, we've not something you we've seen. seen like maybe we're jaded. We've seen so yeah. many horrific injuries in especially in that in game sports. Yeah, yeah. in that yeah. game, that game is just ruinous for quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. going Taysom, back, Taysom, then Chucky last year. Now Taysom again. And Utah State how, also injured Jordan Wynn in 2012, too. That's how many true. ACLs have to be torn for the old wagon wheel? <laughs> <laughs> Blood yeah, on the in, wheel. In, Blood, in state, <laughs> Blood on the trail. In-state rivalry games has resulted in season-ending co- injuries for quarterbacks like each over the last three That's why years. Chris Hill stopped playing them. <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> unsourced. Um, unsourced. <laughs> no, it was, you know, it was a, the spread was 21 points. I mean... BYU was supposed to win that game by by three touchdowns. Obviously, you know, losing a Heisman hopeful quarterback um, is was crushing for them. But um, certainly, you know, Aggies had an advantage for the first half anyway. Yeah. Um, Nick Vigil was it was that was awesome to see. Speaking of in the, in the Miles Jack vein, as they had to say, um, Fremont Highs Nick Vigil. Yeah, well, it's I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy to see a kid that. You know, like, like puking he, on the sideline. Yeah, they were yeah. saying he pushed. He went so hard that he was vomiting from dehydration <laughs> on the sideline. Just, just explain that to like someone in another country. Just be like, this guy is working so hard. He's he's vomiting. He's vomiting in a trash can, ready to get back out there. And that, but that also just shows you where Utah State is versus you know Utah and, and BYU. Um, they can they can recruit kids that are that are good football players, but. I mean, he was—he's one of their best linebackers. He's—he's he's crucial, they need, and and they need him to run the ball now. I mean, it's—it's it's ridiculous. They need that top tier talent to be healthy. Yeah, that's, that's what yeah. it is. I mean, that's you know, one through twenty-two. You know, maybe they they can get twenty-two kids to to compete in those games, but then it really starts to to fade after that. Well, luckily for them, and unfortunate for Chucky, like Daryl Garrettson is is seasoned. I mean, yeah. He, and you saw Brett Hundley's backup. Yeah, in yeah, high school. Yeah, Chandler. exactly. And and you saw you saw what uh, Stewart for BYU was. He he wasn't ready. No. And and that's to no fault of his, but you know, it was just so night and day to see Garrettson come in and you know dropping balls on the numbers. He had some great throws. Yeah, like, his deep ball is pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, I mean. and, and he doesn't he doesn't need to. I mean, he's a great. I mean, he can run, but he's a great pocket passer too. That one down the sideline to um, I don't remember. I'm not, uh, probably right Devonte Robinson, Hunter Sharp. Hunter Sharp. It was just right on the numbers, and yeah. he, and he beat uh, Robinson Daniel just easily. I mean, Garrettson's good. Yeah, I think Utah State, unfortunately for Chucky, they're in good hands. I mean, that kid's good. Yeah, yeah. I think that restored some faith. It's still a tough year. It's when you see who I mean, Chucky, who I think is obviously was a talented quarterback, is a talented quarterback, and then 
who I think is probably, you know, if not the best, one of the top Fackrell. two defensive guys, two or three defensive guys in the state in Fackrell to lose mm-hmm. to lose him. I mean, it was it's pretty discouraging. And someone else, and Swindle. Yeah, yeah, Swindle. yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's sort also sort of the beauty of the Mountain West, and you know they're going to have a chance to to compete yeah. in oh Arizona. Gosh. Yeah, they should. I mean, they should win that. It's yeah. crazy. It's, it'll be right them now. or Boise, right? Yeah. yeah, you you would think so. Um, no, that, that was nice. Uh, I, I think one guy, Colorado State might be in it. One guy I liked um, is the the freshman Jalen Davis. I thought he the cornerback played has played well. Yeah. Um, and you know he's you know it's nice to see them get get some of those kids that are actually ball players. So yeah, the thing on Davis was he's just I think he was under recruited because he was so short. Uh-huh. He's like five six, five seven, something like that. So. He'll be listed at five eight or five nine, but we know. We know, but they're it, never that tall. They they kind of that's kind of what Utah State thrives on, and um, just those guys who are just a little bit underlooked and and can contribute in a lot of ways. I mean, even when Kyler Fackrell was healthy, he was playing tight end last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they kind of need their best players to contribute in huge ways to, to be successful. Is there any uh, information on what happened to Hill? Is he out for the season? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, they, they said that yeah. that break was worse than they thought it was. There right. were some ligament Shit, tears. Shredded every ligament. So is this, that's the end of him. For the, for the, for the for year. year. Does yeah. Sam Moore use of eligibility this year? This was his junior year. Yeah, yeah and he, he, uh, he won't, he won't yeah, qualify he, he for won't get the red shirt. Red shirt. So, yeah, okay. So, we'll, this, so we have maybe one more year with him, and that's... Two Maybe. two season ending injuries already in three yeah. years though for Taysom. And that's that's tough. I mean that's he's he's yeah, uh, yeah. he's obviously a, a great talent and, but you know it's just shows you can't I mean like the whole running quarterback thing works, but it's dangerous. You better you better have someone you better have someone ready to, to, yeah. to be in there and Utah State luckily did because they already went through that last year. Yeah. You should BYU, I mean that Stewart kid Looked a little, you know, deer in the headlights. Made some really, really errant passes. Got a little too much juiced up. And, and you imagine you're down by, you know, 14 to Utah State at home. You got to come in, work some miracles. But and and, suddenly and BYU's undefeated yeah. season is just. Oh yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, to go from they'll, they'll get an the outside bowl. chance. Of, yeah. I mean, oh sure, get to their sure. Bowl, but but now you have, I mean, like, you have to go on the road to UCF. That'll be a, that'll be a tough one. Everything Boise everything State. gets tougher now. Cal, I mean, I mean Cal, Cal put up like sixty points. If you can't if you can't score thirty five points, you're not going to beat Cal. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of teams that can't score a single goal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I only have one question. I only have one question to ask. Why why is RSL breaking my mother's heart? Why are they doing this to us? Someone's got to fire away. Someone's got to take a shot on goal. Well, how many shots did they have on goal that game? One. One. I'm going to be calling Kaepernick at the, at the uh, post-game, <laughs> just like five Can words. you win a game with less than uh, two shots on goal? Absolutely. No, you, you just got to make both of, one or both of them. And then, yeah. uh, how was the euphoria drop-off from going and covering the UCLA game down to RSL against Chivas USA? Well, Chivas announced 12,000. Oh, but there never. were probably like <laughs> 12,000. But it was absurdly hot in LA this weekend. It was 99 in Pasadena when I picked up Matt and Gordon from the from the airport at like uh, or from the hotel at 4:30. And on Sunday it was like 94 in Carson and they played the game at 4. Oh, yeah. It was just brutal. No, those those Chivas games like one they cover up like the entire the entire whatever behind the goal whatever you want to call it. Up the north end. Yeah. 
they they covered up with it with the tarp with the with the graphic on it so it doesn't look quite so empty. But they could they could honestly probably squeeze everyone that goes to those games into in, into the boxing <laughs> area next door where they have where they like in in, in yeah, yeah. Uh, Home Depot I guess or yeah. StubHub now what yeah. is it called yeah StubHub they have like they they do outdoor boxing on yeah. Friday nights right oh okay yeah. and so they, like, they they could fit them into the boxing side of this so cro- uh, so the cro- CrossFit Games draw more uh, fans than sh- uh, the Unsourced, <laughs> uneducated <laughs> guys yeah okay who do they got next. Uh, they have San Jose at home on Saturday, uh, missing five guys to international duty. Tony Beltran has a herniated disc. Chris Schuler might have several facial fractures. So it's going to be, uh, uh, I mean, it's going to be a soccer game, and people are going to try to kick it in the gold, man. Right. That's really all I have. It's going to be a depleted team. Right. Uh, Falk, so you had a really, it, it's saccharine it's sweet, but it's very nice. So you had a really nice story, and uh, they did the Utah Jazz did a really good job of talking about J.B. Gibson yesterday. J.P. J- did I say J.B.? J.P. Yep. I think it's, I'm pretty, yeah, it's J.P. Mr. Gibson, the five-year-old kid with leukemia. Uh, how much fun is writing a story like that and getting to kind of witness, you know, it's kind of like when the, uh, the Jazz reach out and do some like community outreach and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it was it was a really nice um, gesture last night. For those who don't know, is a five-year-old kid diagnosed in 2012 with um, acute leukemia. Mom, you know, mom put it this way: that he's been fighting cancer longer than than he hasn't in his in his life. Um, you know, kind of a super, you know, super young but super fan that his dad says he would climb up on the couch starting at, you know, age one and just watch entire games with them, just, you know, silently observe. Did he, <laughs> say, did he say who his favorite player is? Gordon Hayward. Boom. Gordon Hayward. Um, I bet he has. And so they, you know, it, it's nice. Obviously, you know, the, there there are lots of things where our teams go out of their way to, to kind of, you know, do these sort of charitable things. Um, what was really nice about this was they kind of went to the nines on it with, with, with everything they did, you know, they – Made him had him sign a one day contract. They sent out a press release to the whole league. Um, you know, he he signed his contract in a purple crayon with a purple crayon. Um, got the jersey. Did the stretching for the warmups in the scrimmage and uh, got the, at the very last play of the scrimmage. He he got out there. He you know let him dribble around defenders and then gets into the key and Rudy Gobert lifts him up. So seven foot two Rudy Gobert lifts him up and. He, he dunks the ball, and I mean it, it, it was very nice. I think it was on, I think it was on, it was on Sports Center today. Um, oh yeah, they got like thirty thousand yeah. retweets last night. Yeah, before yeah. So no, very very cool, very cool moment, and um, you know it, it was very, it was nice. And to actually turn this as part of this foundation, kind of on a somewhat personal note, uh, the part of the foundation that that helped set this up um, started by this girl I went to high school with. Her her daughter. Uh, Young daughter passed away a couple of years ago from from leukemia. Oh, so, um, how was Steve Novak yesterday in the scrimmage? Uh, he he had some moments. He I think he was two of five, two of two of six, a couple three pointers. I mean that's, you know, if it's if it's two of five, that's what you are gonna about expect from a pretty good shooter. Maybe a little bit better. I mean he's this is this guy is by the way in terms of three point percentage number six all time in the NBA. Right behind Jason Capono. Dude, how easy is it for Steve Novak to shoot a three? He's like 6'10". It's like, it'd be like us standing three feet from the basket and trying to put it in. He's just like out there. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he, he, he'll he get because obviously he is a, a really great three-point shooter. Um, 
and the Jazz need that. You know, right now it seems like it's going to be Novak and Rodney Hood are their legitimate threats. Maybe Alec Burks, he, who looked like his shot is going to, you know, improve a little bit. Um, but he didn't play very many minutes at all last year. I mean, but he, he was on a playoff team in the East in, in Toronto. But I mean, he was still, you know, not not a huge part of that rotation. So it'll be interesting to see see what he does. Okay. Moving on. Let's kind of start wrapping this up here really fast. Let's talk a little playoff baseball here. Uh, Kyle, how are your Orioles going to do against those Royals? Um, you know, I, as long as it doesn't go into extras, I think we're I think we're solid. Uh, well, I think I've been impressed just by um, the bullpen and just just how the Orioles have kind of been able to maintain those long games, and they'll really need it going against the Royals, who seem to be pretty opportunistic. And the Royals are cool because they play like an NL team. Like they barely hit the ball out of the infield, and they just like steal as many bases as they can. They play like you know you want to play in your softball league when you want to <laughs> steal but you yeah. can't. They're like, I don't care. I don't care if the bases are loaded. I'm gonna steal, and they do it. <laughs> and I'm Billy Butler, and yeah, steal. Sure, go for yeah. it. Chris, did you watch the uh, the playing game? I watched I watched the playing game. Um, you know, I'm a Giants fan, so like two of the last four years they've won, so I have no reason to really complain about anything. Yeah. But those two years, I had a I had a beard, and like you know, baseball is the only time where I get super, super, super. Um, what's the word? Help superstitious. Me. Superstitious. Yeah, oh. that too. Grumpy. <laughs> Grump, drunk, grumpy, superstitious. <laughs> Especially stitious. So like, I was I had I had some facial hair, and I. And I was like, I can't shave because this is going to happen. And then last yesterday, you know, they barely do anything for nine innings at home and try and trying to close it out. So I just, I was like, no, it's time to move on. It's time to look like I'm 14 again. Yeah, it's, not, it's not getting pepper sprayed out there with your tan, bud. Well, I was wearing Vogel uh, song interview tonight. It's going to uh, get lit up. <laughs> it's probably his last game as a Giant. I mean, he hasn't had a good year. 37. Ironically, I w- the only Giants game I went to this year was when the Nationals were in San Francisco. Vogel song started, and we lost like nine to two. So, um, so yeah, uh, you know, whatever. By this, by the time people listen to this, the Giants are going to be on a plane headed back to D.C. You know, Bryce Harper's going to have like six home runs. You know, gelling his hair, screaming. <laughs> you know, my life's really hard. Ah. But um, can I interject? Have you ever seen, or when was the last time you saw a home run like Bryce Harper hit the other day? I mean, upper deck. Brandon Belt hit one. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> oh, the top yeah. of the 18. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No, but you're right. I mean, that guy just used, like, they brought up, I mean, the Giants, this kid, this Hunter Strickland kid, the Giants brought up from A throws just heat. I mean, he throws like 99 every pitch, but Bryce Harper just timed one and hit it. That probably could have. If it was at AT&T Park, it probably would have hit one of those naval carriers out in McCovey, in Co- in McCovey Cove. It was insane. Um, and Harper hit another home run last night. Um, yeah, I mean, baseball is really the only thing I get amped about. I mean, Falks Cardinals are better than my, than the Niners at this point, and they, they start Drew Stanton. So I, I'm I really I'm I think really they've got a Logan place. Thomas at this point. Oh, no, that's right. But yeah. he came in and, and threw some TD stuff. Ooh. So Kevin, who are you uh, looking at the playoff picture for the going into the World Series? Who? Uh, what's your prediction? I like the American League. I, um, you know, I, says the National either League. Either one of guy. those two teams I like. I, I can't stand the Cardinals, so yeah. I hope let's, that let's their move team on from the Cardinals, man. Dissolves. And, Cardinals. Uh, I mean, so so I want the I want Chris's Giants to make it, but I want them to lose to whichever of the American League teams make it. 
I like the two American League teams. I think they're fun teams. So I think we can take away that since Kevin's rooting for the American League and wearing orange, he's a Orioles fan for the next few weeks. You know, the, the interesting thing is, Kyle, I, back before I was a Cubs fan, I actually was an Orioles fan because their AAA team was Brooks in Rochester where I grew up. So I got yeah. to see the likes of uh, Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Cal Ripken Jr., his much less famous brother, Billy. Actually, Billy Ripken. Baseball Billy. signed by Billy. Yeah, um, Base, he's on MLB Network, I think. Some of those, uh, some of those greats of the the Orioles. I saw them play before they became great. The highlight of the Orioles facing the Giants would be Sergio Romo striking out Nelson Cruz because Nelson Cruz <laughs> strikes out against Giants in in, in the big games. So. Uh, Don't say that. That's no, interesting. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be the Cardinals and Orioles and. No one's gonna care except Kyle Goon, and we'll care. Yeah, be- yeah, and, yeah, that and, is actually, <laughs> and we'll care because we want Kyle's team to do well. But this 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 postseason has a chance to go from really interesting in the earlier rounds to really really boring. Well, I mean, if it's like the Royals, yeah, if it's the Cardinals or Royals or like Royals Nationals, everyone eh, yeah yeah. Oh, I'll I mean, even Nationals. even Baltimore Nationals Beltway Series. Yeah, I, mean, no, I don't. I, I doubt yeah. most people want to see that. The Nationals have been around for what, like eight years? Yeah, so. I, th- I think it would be best if, you know, you had Orioles-Dodgers, I mean, a, or Orioles-Giants, just like a, an entire, two, the two coasts kind of tied together yeah. to get people in. Because the Midwest, I mean, we don't St. really Louis need Kansas them. City would be a boring World Series. Yeah. Also, how great of a podcast would it be for World Series preview if it was Chris and I? We would break down every single game. We'll just, I would, there would be a lot of uneducated. I'll just record and leave the room. You guys can take over. <laughs> we should, we'll have Aaron film us. <laughs> in, in a video podcast break trip top. Down. All right. All right, guys, we're going to be wrapping this up. Um, uh, do us a big favor, go to iTunes, and remember the tacit agreement we have. Uh, we want the five star review, but you can give us a really crappy write up. That's fine. We definitely don't deserve, uh, don't deserve both. <laughs> being selfish. Uh, uh, follow these guys on Twitter at, uh, at KWinMo for Kevin, uh, at Kyle Goon, at Trip Jazz for Aaron and at Chris Kamrani. Don't spell it. K A M A A R I I T I L S. Dot com. Elemental P. Elemental P. I'm at Benny Raskin. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Bye bye.